show, they cover the biggest news stories, give their fact-based opinions, and interview many great people from all over the fruited plains. These stories and experiences are what make up the fabric of this great country. This isn't just any show. This is the Matt and Chan Show. Now, live from Fresno, California, here are your hosts, Matt and Chan. All right, guys, welcome back to the Matt and Chan Show, live from Fresno, California. As you just heard, we're bringing the energy, we're bringing the facts, we're bringing the truth and everything that you need to know about the news. And Chandler, how are you doing, man? Matt, I'm doing great. It's great to be back talking with you. We've been doing some interviews recently, and so now we're getting a little bit back to our roots of the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about the news cycle, things uh, that we feel are important. Uh, you know, Biden picking his uh, VP candidate, who's probably going to end up being president if he gets elected. Um, uh, you know, uh, Israel, UAE uh, relations. What else do we have going on this week? Um, yeah, just another another busy news week as usual. We there's something I know Joe Jorgensen getting bit by a bat. Trump just okay. continuing yeah. to work through. Trump calling out the news media. We had another reporter this week, and he asked Trump. He goes, "Trump, uh, are you going to apologize for the three and a half years of lying?" And Trump, you can just feel the just three years of this, folks. Three years of consistent backlash from the media every single day i don't know how our president does it he gets up every day and he goes the american people this is what's going on it's not this nice finesse the barack obama because barack obama would just lie to the american people that everything was fine and dandy while intensifying the race relations sending money to iran to make peace deals but then trump gets on the phone and he starts talking to these foreign leaders and he's making all these big accomplishments happen i remember what three and a half years ago kim jong-un the world was going to end we were going to have world war three a nuclear explosion but trump goes he's over in north korea he's shaking hands and he's doing all these big things and trump every day orange man bad it's orange man bad syndrome and people even republicans now conservatives that are supporting joe biden they're willing to sell out for for this election for the long term for the Republican Party, because that's what they're tied to. They're not tied down to the core values and accomplishments of America. They're not America first. And they're siding with Joe Biden, who had drastically changed this country. Our country will not look the same in three months after Joe Biden's elected. And even if he makes it that long, we'd see a Kamala Harris, a President Kamala Harris, a mix of Nancy Pelosi, AOC, and Hillary Clinton. And a lot of people showed they didn't like Hillary Clinton, even though she won the popular vote. Um, which is still incredible. I still think there's a lot of uh, election fraud that occurred there, and now we got mail-in voting. That's a whole other topic, Chan. We can get into the, the fraud, the mail-in voting, and now they're saying Trump's trying to steal the election. He's trying to stop USPS from delivering mail and delivering ballots. That they're... And if you ever want to know anything about the left, Chan, right, just see what they're putting on the headlines. Whatever they accuse conservatives and Republicans of, it's exactly what they're doing. So the fact that people are still thinking that the Obamagate is a hoax, it didn't happen. But the FISA documents and the abuse that happened in our own FBI just shows it all. The evidence is there. And so, uh, Chandler, what are we going to hop into first? I know we got a lot to cover. What are your thoughts on Kamala Harris? First take, the hot take. Chandler Masiel, let's hear it. So, first of all, I'll say I wasn't surprised. Uh, I think you're you're a little more in tune with the news cycle, so you texted me right when it happened. Um, that was what uh, Thursday, yep. Tuesday, something I, like that. I believe Thursday. so. I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> this week, this week, right? So, anyways, uh, you know, I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, what Joe Biden did is he set very interesting uh, qualifications for his VP candidate. He said, we're going to pick a woman, and it has to be a woman of color. He didn't care that it was somebody who would like line up with his beliefs. He didn't care that it was somebody who he thought would make him most electable. Uh, he picked it purely off of superficial means. And, hey, what I have against Kamala Harris is not at all tied to her gender, and it's not at all tied to her skin color. I could care less about those things. I care about ideas. You know, like, I would vote in, say, Nick 
Nikki Haley, like in a heartbeat uh, for like a major offense. Uh, and and that, you know, she's a, uh, a non-white woman who uh, shares a lot of my beliefs. So Kamala Harris is not that. Um, her, her external traits mean nothing. Like, uh, you know, we often quote uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, or Reverend, uh, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, my apologies there. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're looking at content of character rather than color of skin. And what Biden did was the exact opposite. I think there are a lot better candidates for him to take that make him more electable. Um, I think there were a lot of candidates, or, or a lot, lot of uh, VP candidates that he agreed with on a lot more uh, topics. Um, remember, Kamala is the one who called uh, Joe Biden a racist. She said, like, uh, she was the, the little kid who wanted to go to a different school, but Biden opposed the busing. She accused him of, of uh, hanging out with segregationists. Uh, and, and being on good terms with segregationists, uh, she accused him of, of a number of things. And it's really, really interesting to see that despite all that, and that was like five minutes ago uh, that she was accusing him of those things. Uh, and she gets the, the pick for vice president, which, like uh, Biden said, he's a transitional candidate. He's, at most, he's going to last one term if he were elected president. Um, and so he's definitely setting up really a, a Harris presidency, which is just insane. You know, uh, we're going to get in a little bit later some of the things that Harris supports, and we'll see she's not the moderate, uh, all, you know, supporting, or like supporting of all, um, like normal values and unity. She's a, a divisive, far left radical. Um, and yeah, I guess we should address that at, at some point. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And Chandler, we got to look at Kamala Harris. People are, they're painting her as this moderate and we're going to get into it. We have an article from, I think the economic foundation, I think it's foundation for economic education. And we're going to give five details on why she's not a moderate. And you click on CNN and they go, Kamala Harris, the moderate pick. This is, an, this is a commercial. Wow, in the middle. Listening to both sides. I'm sorry, but Kamala Harris is not moderate. Neither is Joe Biden. And it's kind of, it's, it's kind of uh, ironic that we see everything that's Joe Biden. They're painting him as this moral, this peacemaker. This, this like Grandpa Uncle Joe figure. Like, yeah, he's a good guy. He's going to bring back normalcy. But as we've seen, the majority of violence and the stuff that we've seen in our inner cities is our Democrat-run cities. And we see Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago. We've seen all the every, – every day there's shootings. Even here in Fresno, we've seen an increase in stabbings and shootings, 60 and 80%. These are, these are big numbers here. And we're seeing it all across the country. And we're thinking Joe Biden, people think – Uncle Joe, he's he's um, Barack Obama. That's his. That's day one. We saw all the memes through the Obama administration, especially in our age group. Like we, Biden was a meme. He's just like him and Barack. They're playing tennis. They're they're out there hanging out. They're best buds. But the thing is, Joe Biden has a long history back to his first presidential bid, and and this was in the eighties, and the media back then, at least the media was at least a little bit more fair. They still were left-leaning in a lot of sorts, especially during the Reagan years. But the thing is, people, he had, like, plagiarized speeches. Of course, he didn't support busing because he said that if he was sending his kids to schools, it would be a racial jungle. And, and we're in this time where he says, I'm going to bring peace, like, with and supporting BLM and this Marxist organization. And we got Joe Biden, that candidate. But then on the other side, you have... Kamala Harris or Kamala, whatever you want to say, they're going to get mad at me either way if I say it wrong. Um, she was the Attorney General of California, and she uh, and she switched sides on the issue. She was a stickler here in California, and people go, "Why are people locked up for marijuana charges? Why are they locked up?" And she made sure that that was one of her issues. She was the hard on crime candidate. This is what she's running on, 
And then we're all of a sudden anti-police, and now socialism. We're at socialism now, folks. We are at a battle between capitalism and socialism. Capitalism versus tyranny. This is what we're up against. It's come to this point. We're at the, like, Chandler, you can have to, you'd have to agree. Um, Absolutely. It, it, we're, we're at a battle for our country. And you're going to have these people, Kamala Harris, a political opportunist this whole time. Every time, ever since she was dating Willie Brown, who was married, and she appointed, I, I can't remember at this time, but she was appointed to a position in the local government, San Francisco. And then um, I, have, I have some notes. I got to look at the notes. But she just, every few years, okay, all right, next position. And now she was a senator for one year in California. Oh, I've done so much for California, even though the polling didn't show it during during the primaries and stuff for the Democrat debate, 7% in California, 2% nationally. The support wasn't there, even here in California. The socialist state, we're getting Medicare for all. It's going and going. And Kamala Harris is an opportunist. So you're a senator. She has no experience, and then she runs for president. It shows them the support. Now she's VP. She's taking a big hop. Senator, one-year senator, and now going there, and she's the fourth most radical left senator. It's, it's incredible. So, Chandler, we're going to hop right into the Foundation for Economic Edu of Education article. And the first thing she proposed, I don't know if you want to hit it or I got it right in front of me. Go for it. I have it in front of me as well. So I'll let you get number two. So the first one is welfare for all, massive welfare for all, the COVID-19 response plan. And this is incredible. She wants to spend, so we spent $3.7 trillion um, on the first economic deal and now we have the trillion dollar proposal from the republicans still a lot of money think of a trillion dollars three trillion dollars in a room that is a lot of money she's proposing that we spend 5.5 trillion dollars more two thousand more dollars are on monthly checks stimulus checks per for uh for monthly checks for for homes and a lot of people don't understand is wow like we're getting this free money from the government we're getting this there's no incentive to work anymore. If I'm if I'm getting $2,000 a month and I'm not working, sweet, that sounds awesome, right? But we continue to spend and spend and spend, and we've seen a lot of people leave the Republican Party and the Democrat Party because of the spending. They're libertarian, they're off, they're not, no party preference because of this. And we are borrowing against the next generation. Our kids, our grandkids, these are taxes. These will have to be paid back or will we, we will see the destruction of our country. We will see stuff that we saw in the 20th century if we didn't recognize when we paid attention to things like race. We paid attention to big government. We saw, oh, let's try to do social programs. And we've heard, even for a year, if we took, if we gave everybody free social, free socialized medicine, so Medicare for all, and we gave all these things and we sent stimulus checks like the, the Andrew Yang, the Yang gang, um, if we gave all these people this money, all the Americans, all of us, that it would only last for three months. Three months. So the fact that they want to continue to increase our spending, it's not good for the next generation. And what we saw with Barack Obama and even Donald Trump, Donald Trump's not perfect, but we had to sign this to get aid out. And what we saw with the Democrats is they threw a lot of pork in this bill. And a lot of it going to a lot of left-wing big organizations, millions and millions of dollars. And... We're seeing the ec the economy go get back up. It's going. It's starting to get up. But we need to get businesses open. We need to get the economy going. A lot of people forget. Oh, that us capitalists. We're we're all we're pro capitalism. That we're just not pro people. But the thing is, the one percent that they're always talking about are the people that are employing people. And those are the opportunities and the jobs that people. These there's a job in every industry. Mm -hmm. And Trump has. And remember Barack Obama. Oh, that. Jobs, manufacturing jobs, they're gone. We have no more time for growth. They're gone. Um, Trump's going to need a magic wand. It's, they're just not coming back. 1% growth is the way that we're going forward. And But the thing is, okay. Trump comes in, starts bringing manufacturing back to the United States, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're seeing growth in our economy. We're seeing the lowest unemployment rates in all minority groups, and we're seeing more people work than ever before. And then people go, COVID-19 hits. We're shutting down the country. Oh, Trump, the economy. Oh, my gosh. The economy is failing. Look what Trump's done to the economy. He's crashed it. There's protests in the street. But then you don't realize that uh, it was self-inflicted. It was yep. our Democrat governors, our gov Democrat mayors, and even Republicans that closed their cities, 
shut down businesses, destroyed people's livelihoods, and now people are looking for more money from the government as we head toward a welfare state. I went a little long there, Chandler. <laughs> yeah, we'll set this up well. So, so a common theme throughout all of, uh, and, and again, we're going over uh, some uh, ways that Kamala Harris is really a, uh, a far leftist, uh, or, or she has a far left agenda, um, again, from the Foundation for Economic Education, uh, and this article is written by Brad Colombo. Um, and so that was the first point. And you'll see throughout these that big spending is a, a big part of uh, Kamala's platform. Um, so number two here is the imminent transition to socialist health care. And, of course, that's been the talking point. or That was the talking point all through the Democratic primaries this year. Uh, some sort of Medicare for all or, or uh, universal health care system. It's a bad idea, folks. Uh, it's, it's not where we want to go. So um, uh, originally, Harris endorsed uh, Medicare for All, um, and she backed off of that after facing some criticism. And remember, guys, Harris didn't make it very far in the Democrat primary. So whenever Republicans give her stance a hard time, you got to remember that Democrats were the ones who didn't like her first. Um, she, she didn't make it very far. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's the second point. She's in favor of a government-run health care system, uh, transition to that over the period of 10 years uh, with only a minor, highly regulated role remaining for private health care uh, or health insurance companies, which really would not survive uh, if it's overly controlled by the government. Um, and again, that means more taxes, uh, which will negatively impact our country generally, and, uh, and you got to remember, too, the United States is the number one innovator when it comes to uh, the healthcare sector. We put out the most new drugs, the most new innovations in medical techniques, um, and uh, a big part of that is because there's an incentive to do so. If you're the first person to come out with the cure to this disease that was previously un incurable, all of a sudden you're making a ton of money. And so there's a big incentive to do that. If it's just the state who is uh, giving you money and you get the same amount, whether you innovate or whether you just maintain, there's no incentive to innovate. Um, and that's one of the biggest problems with a Medicare for all or a universal health care system uh, that Harris endorses. Uh, you want to take number three? Yeah. And what we're seeing now is we're looking at another additional $40 trillion in new spending which looks, if we were going to look at um, per taxpayer for the next 10 years, that's $280,000 per taxpayer. That is incredible. And, and, and we're, we're in the generation where we're wondering, we're probably not going to see Social Security. We spent it all. Thanks I'm, not no. I'm, I'm not planning on it. And we're looking at, if in California, it's one of those things where people always talk to me and they, people ask me when I go out of town... And they go, oh, you're from California. I go to Bob. How are you? How are you living in California? We are here. The conservatives are here in California, even though at times it doesn't feel like it. And when you say silent majority, it's here in California. But the thing is, Democrats. I said this before on past episodes. Is they're great at marketing, and they're going to continue to say we're for the little guy, but they only do it at election time. The rest of the time, they're running on. Hey, I just need to get. Are we gonna reelected? They're gonna. They're finding ways to pretty much hurt Americans, as we've seen. Donald Trump. I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of this decision because we're setting the precedent for future presidential powers. But he signs those four executive orders to extend benefits so people don't get evicted. That that students like us don't have to take tons of money out, and put ourselves even further back, and give ex extensions till the end of the year. Oh, but Trump's too bad now. We're we're forgetting something. We're forgetting. Oh, we need to spend two more trillion dollars. Nancy Pelosi came back with a counter yesterday for another trillion dollars, not in support of any of this. And even in a trillion dollar Republican package, it's not perfect. But the way that we stimulate our economy is we have to get people up and going again. We've seen you can go to stores, you can socially distance, you can wear a mask, you wash your hands. And the biggest thing is we forget about the biggest thing that you can do to help prevent COVID nineteen is from the touch. So you have to clean your hands. 
And what we've seen is we go out and you can go to Denny's, you can go to Costco, you can go to all these places and you can socially distance, but our churches are still closed and they're planning to keep churches closed until the end of the year. I'm glad to hear people like Jim Franklin from Corner, was it, is it a Cornerstone Church here in Fresno, that they're staying open. They've stayed open for the last two months and they've socially distanced. It's one of the cleanest churches in Fresno. People like that taking a stand, people like Rob McCoy down south, they're standing up. And the thing is with the churches, we don't realize this, is churches, they like to stay out of politics. They like to stay out of politics. But then at the same time, they're taking, they're, they're getting, they're, from the politics perspective, everything that has to do with politics is the reason why we can have freedom of religion in this country. The reason that pastors can go up to the pulpit and spread the word of Jesus Christ every Sunday. But churches stay out. We need pastors to step up, and we need pastors in our community to be people to look up to instead of folding to the mob. They're folding to the mob and these causes that people are coming to, and people are leaving these churches because they're looking for answers that are in the Bible to love one another. Jesus Christ did not go on this collectivist sin guilt that we've seen across the board and this, this collectivist ideology that people were Imago Dei, the image of God. This is very important. But we see with the left, they're taking everything out. It's not, so help me God anymore. It's it's more about, oh, to the best of my ability. They're taking God out of everything. And then just recently I heard yesterday as they're trying to take God out of the platform, religion. Folks, we're, we're being threatened at every part. And this $40 trillion extended in, in this is this is going into the Green New Deal. This is screwing up future generations, and we are at a battle to, to make sure that we can save our country, to bring back the Judeo-Christian values that our country was founded on. And it's up to us to, to stand up for truth and just make sure that we continue to keep up the fight because if we let it happen, we've seen how it was kind of crazy. When, I, when we started shutting down, I was really surprised to see how many people actually just were like, eh, yeah, just take away our freedoms. Just continue to go. It's the little things. And he did it, in, and Hitler did it in Nazi Germany. Slowly and slowly, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, whoa, whoa, okay, you hit the line, you hit the line, but it's by that point, it's too late. So, again, Chandler, let's get into point four. I know I'm kind of going off on these little things. I just that mentioned it. That's the quietest hand that you made there, but... Sorry, sorry. I just had to. I just think with the spending and the more move towards socialism, we have to address those issues because people there, we are in a fight for the livelihoods of not just us, but our, our, our kids, their kids and so on the next generation. So, all right, Green New Deal. Let's get in. Speaking of socialism, uh, point number four, we're talking about the Green New Deal. And this is something that I didn't know uh, prior to reading this article, that Kamala Harris was an original co-sponsor of the Green New Deal resolution in the Senate. Um, and, and, of course, that was uh, mainly drafted by uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's uh, um, her, her uh, platform. And, um, yeah, it, it's crazy that there is support for this at all, um, given that, what they're trying to do is, is is to radically change the way that we approach life in America. Uh, it's 100% of national power coming through renewable sources. And this is within a short period of time. I think eventually we will get to a, a place where either solar and wind are, um, are more efficient or we come up with some other way to generate uh, um, energy. Eventually, we probably will get to a point where we're completely on uh, renewable uh, energy. But we're not there yet, and, and the cost for doing this uh, radically and, and soon uh, could be astronomical, or would be astronomical. Um, and, and so also, you know, things like getting rid of cow farts, and I won't go into detail on the Green New Deal. We've covered that ad nauseum, and, and so have a lot of other political speakers, so... Um, just know that that's something that Kamala Harris supports, and so um, the the Biden Harris ticket is a. If you vote for that, you're voting for the Green New Deal. Um, and well, hey, if you want to do that, I think you're crazy. But more power to you. Um, you want to take number five? 
Yep, so the last one is we're having sweeping rent control laws, and it goes back into what we're talking socialism, what eventually turns into communism, is they want to give the government the, the price controls on housing. And what we've seen is, and even uh, um, what we've seen with Joe Biden is, like, they want to increase government housing. And uh, I can't remember who said it recently. It's, I think it was probably probably Charlie Kirk. I think he talked about it on one of his episodes. Um, he talks about the government housing and how we continue to push. Okay, we need government housing. It's going to be cheaper. If it's going to be, but the thing is, government housing never goes up in value. It's always government housing. And the fact that they go, okay, we're going to build more houses, but it's going to be under the government. You're giving more power to the government. This means that. They can set them as high or as low. It could be like awesome. The short run's gonna look good, but in the long run, when you start artificially setting prices, as what we've seen across the world and throughout history with socialism, is it never works out in the long run, and it only worsens the housing crisis. And what yep. we're, and it's just we're already struggling with the price of living here in California. People are flocking out of the cities, San Francisco. We have more people in the last two years leaving California than we've had come in. We're seeing it. We are at the forefront. We are, we are the guinea pig of what policy will look like in America. Now, I'm not saying everything's in flames. People are running around with their heads cut off. But the thing is, you go to San Francisco, once upon a time, a great city, clean streets. And I saw it. I saw it when I was when about 10 years ago. We, we went to go visit with the family. Even then, I saw the turn in the economic policy, and I've seen it here in Fresno, especially in the 16th District, which Kevin Cookingham is running. It's a little side off, but Kevin Cookingham, he's running against Jim Costa, who's been in for nine terms now. And we're seeing it over and over in the policy, and what it affects, the, the, who it affects the most is our minority communities, and we see it affecting our homeless. We have a big homeless problem here in in the Fresno in the in Fresno and in the Valley. And I'm hoping that Kevin gets elected this fall. That he brings some real change. He's really good on jobs. But we've seen what Democrat policies have done to this country in these Democrat-run cities, and it's not a good thing. Chandler, I think you can attest to it. You're in Hanford, but you could probably see um, what effects it's had on the Valley when Democrats get into power and and, and what it does to our cities. I don't know if you have any, or have any maybe an antidote or some stories of even visiting. Like I know San Francisco, I saw the turn. I saw people on the street doing number two. Not, not a pretty sight, not a pretty sight, but I don't know. Let's, let's hear some, I don't know if you have any, have any stories at all. Yeah, I would say in sort of like Kings County area, even Tulare County, um, I spent a lot of time uh, kind of around this uh, central part of the Central Valley. And it's generally a pretty conservative place. You definitely see uh, some impacts of, uh, like, state-level Democrat policies, but it's really highlighted when you go to uh, a big city in California. Uh, Yeah, your your San Francisco, Sacramento, Los Angeles area, um, it's bad, and, um, you know, one of the things we're passionate about on the show is um, addressing homelessness. And we're seeing time and again that Democrat policies that I think are probably well-intentioned to address homelessness have the, um, the inverse effect. They, they worsen the problem. Uh, good intentions don't mean anything when it comes to politics. This is something that Dennis Prager talks a lot about, uh, that being nice, being compassionate, uh, these things don't lead to good policies. Um, these aren't, you know, when, when you hear somebody say, oh, that person's so nice, or, or like, what a nice thing to, uh, to give money in this way or, or whatever. When it's coming from the government, what, what people fail to see is that only gives the government more control, and it gives the people that it's supposedly helping uh, a smaller sense of their own worth and independence. It, it makes them feel dependent on the government. And that's not a good thing. Um, and this is especially true of, of people in low-income communities. And, and I will say, like, I guess uh, you're asking for, like, more of an anecdote from, uh, from where I live. And it is a lot of, like, low-income type, uh, 
tight communities, especially here in Kings County and, and a lot in Tulare County as well, a lot of low-income communities. And you see a lot of the time this dependence on the government. Uh, it's The government's going to be the one paying for my groceries through, uh, through food stamps and the SNAP program. Uh, the government's going to either be paying for my housing or helping me pay for my housing. Or the government's going to be doing this. And, and pretty soon, you, you can set two people side by side, and uh, and maybe they have the same like qualifications, same background. Um, and one person's independent and is making it on their own. And sure, maybe that they're a little more tired, maybe they're a little dirtier because they've been working, which is a great thing. Um, and the other uh, person who, again, same qualifications, but has given into the dependence on the government, they look like a broken soul. And, and it's hard to watch, too. Um, and, you know, like, like money's not everything, of course, but when uh, you're making your own money, even if it's not much. It's dignity. It's Absolutely. It's, it's a dignity thing, and it's such a better feeling than having the government uh, give you things. I, I kind of noticed this in myself, like, since I was young, uh, you know, you're given, like, like, my parents would give me something. It wouldn't be, like, a, a major thing. Like, for example, my dad would let me borrow his golf club. And I thought this was awesome because he had way nicer golf clubs than my little, like, $50 big five set, uh, you know, and... Uh, which I was thankful to have, and that's how I learned how to play golf. But, um, like, I was thankful to be able to borrow his stuff, but it never, it was never mine, um, right? And, and so this handout, you feel like sort of it, it's a, a nice thing to have, but, again, nice doesn't mean much um, when it comes to the human psyche. So uh, beware of compassion. Beware of being nice. That's a lot of what the left stands for and, and what Kamala Harris has embraced and, and what, frankly, Joe Biden has embraced is this um, this sort of nice, compassionate, we're going to help the little guy, when in reality, they're just after the little guy's vote. And, and that's the sad thing. And uh, you often see this dichotomy, and, and I'll get off my soapbox in a second here. You're good. You you're, 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 right now you're preaching, Chan. You're preaching. You're really... I. I think you've had a very insightful way into where we're at as a country, the welfare state. But yeah, sorry, continue. I appreciate it. So if you, if you set up like uh, somebody who's like a, a lifelong Democrat versus a lifelong Republican, and again, let's say, just for the sake of the argument, both sort of like low to moderate income uh, families, and uh, you see like this idea of... Um, ownership and responsibility and uh, finding meaning in hard work in Republicans and, and very often, and, and look, this is a generalization. I'm not saying that there aren't Democrats who find meaning in their work, um, but, but very often you see this sense that government's the one who's supposed to handle all the problems. It's, it's if my life isn't going well, it's because uh, the government isn't doing enough to help me. Or or if you see somebody, this, this goes back to the nice and, and compassion thing, if you see somebody on the street uh, begging for money, uh, like, like you're a, a cold person if your heart isn't uh, moved to help those people. But if, um, if the thought is, oh, I sure hope the government steps in to give this person, uh, you know, whatever, housing, food, a free phone, I don't know. Um, like, if, like, if that's your thought, I think that's a, a perverted view of helping your neighbor. If your thought instead is, um, you know, maybe to give the person money directly or if you're, you're worried about, uh, like, you know, it being uh, used counterproductively, like supporting, like, a local soup kitchen or a local church that you know does outreach uh, to, uh, to the homeless and to the, the impoverished. Like, um, you know, there, there's so many different ways to uh, approach uh, injustice in the world and uh, giving to the needy, which 
which frankly, having poor people in society and very needy people in society is a reality. Um, I think sometimes Republicans don't acknowledge that enough. Um, but I think the reason there is Republicans give a lot of money. If you look statistically, Republicans give a lot more money to uh, charities and religious Hey, quick, quick question. Quick question yeah. as you make that point. Do you know how much of Bernie Sanders' uh, income went to charities last year? I, I have no idea, but I'll take a wild guess that it was zero. It was under 1%, so very close. Good guess. Okay. But Well, he does make a lot of money, so maybe uh, 1% of uh, Bernie Sanders' income is actually pretty substantial. Hey, but we're, we're talking about the guy that wants to increase the highest tax bracket to 80, 90, 95, even a hundred percent at this point of people's income. So a billionaire's on evil. I used to be millionaires until I became one. Yep. Yep. And it's exactly right. We, we see it's, it, it used to be the millionaires and the billionaires, Bernie Sanders. That's what he was up against. And then he became a billionaire and now he's like, it's, or not a billionaire, but a millionaire. And now he's like, billionaires are, and it's, and it's always about taking money from the people that are your wealth creators in your country, the people that are employing and giving people those opportunities to make money and, and move up and become part of that, that the, the employment. You do, the thing is, I think the biggest goal, at least in my life and a lot of people's lives, is let's, that you want to not have to sign the back of a check, but to be writing the check, to putting your name yep. on the front, to sign the check on the front. To be paying because yep. you're helping with the wealth creation, and that's the great thing about free market capitalism, free enterprise. We're seeing innovation. We've seen it in Israel. We've seen it in the United States. People always wonder why this relationship, um, this strong relationship with Israel, and uh, and what we see is the land, the land of opportunity. We give people that ability to choose what they want to do with their life. If you yep. want to be dependent on the government and you want to sit at home and you don't want to see any movement, you're just like, I'm cool. That you have that choice. But the thing is, you shouldn't have to force other people to do that. Like, you don't, it's, it's, and I always think it's interesting is there always, there's always this push for equality with, with socialism. They're like, it's everybody. We're going to have everything for all. We're having, everything's equal, equally miserable. I, I want to be able to be one day the person that's helping employ many people and help people grow wealth. And that's the, the great thing about this country is I want to be able to go, Hey, this is my business. This is my pride. This is this is something that I can do to help other people and to help our community grow. And it only helps uplift people. A billion people from poverty since the 90s. Capitalism. But people don't know that. People, if Capitalism is evil. It's greediness. But it's not. It helps people feel a sense of dignity. And we have to yep. make sure we do that. And so Chandler, you talked about that politicians, good intentions, good intentions pave the road to hell. Good intentions, good intentions paved the road to hell. And Brad Palumbo, who wrote the, the article, he, he goes in and he talks about it, that pretty much candidates like that are running for government office, and this is what Donald Trump went against, is they go into office, they make these big promises, they get them elected. Even though it doesn't matter what the long-term consequences is, they got their goal, they got into office. That's what they want. They can load their pockets. They can go to Wall Street. They can make some insider trading deals. They can do that, set themselves up for retirement, sit in Congress, and then once they're in, they get their, their 401ks, they get their retirement, they get all this great thing for the rest of their life once they're in public servant. I think, I think it's like six years, I think, if I'm correct. And then you're set for life. And then you have people like Jim Costa in our 16th district who's been in for nine terms, and he can just continue. All right, he's going to continue running and running, and people see the name. Oh, I'm just going to vote for Jim Costa. I'm going to vote for Jim Costa. And they see, oh, another Democrat. Oh, okay. And they don't even look at what his policies are, even though he's 100% rating for Planned Parenthood for abortion, for, and he's a Catholic. He's an outspoken Catholic. It's, it's things like that, Medicare for all, things that will destroy this country. And so in closing, I wanted to at least put a, for this, this article is Brad Palumbo, great economist. He wrote basic economics, Thomas Sowell, who we still, I still want to make sure we cover and give an episode to our, one of our Sunday spotlight episodes. We've just been so busy lately, but he goes, politicians are not forced to pay attention to the future consequences that lie beyond the next election. And I think that's a hundred percent right. We're seeing that 
every four years, every two years. And I, I don't want to take away the importance of the presidential election because that can shift a lot of the big things in this country. The executive's not supposed to be the end-all, the be-all uh, person in power, but it's your local local elected officials that are going to really impact California. Like, we've seen California. The gas tax. We've seen this increase, this 50-cent increase. People go, why is gas so expensive in California? We're voting for it. Next year, if you don't have a green vehicle, by 2021, you will have to pay an additional $100 on your registration. And we are, they can change that gas price and tax people as much as they want with no government, like, uh, you don't have to go and vote to make it official anymore. They can just do it now. We've given that power to the government. Less freedom, more tax, and people go, why are people leaving California? Why are our cities burning down, San Francisco and LA? Why are these places look like third world countries? We're voting for it. It's voter apathy, as Kurt Schilling noted last week. People are continuing to vote these people in, and people go, why do we have all these issues? Democrat policies and even Republican policies because we continue to vote these people in that just want to line their pockets. And I think we have to look at, I know I want to kind of close on this election, what some of the predictions for this election are. We see Biden, 49 to 42, President Trump down. We see these polls, the Hillary Clinton, four years ago, that Hillary Clinton was beating Donald Trump. Um, Chandler, I, I, I kind of want to, I'm kind of talking about the importance of voting. Why is it so important for people to vote their values in the election versus for party and everything else? Like, you want to give a little, like, I'm going to ask you that. I just want to hear what you have to say. Because uh, ideas have consequences. And when you, if you believe in, it could be, you can disagree with Republicans on every other issue, but if you believe in the sanctity of human life and that an unborn child has uh, the right to live, you can't vote Democrat because the Democrat Party has embraced uh, uh, abortion wholesale. So, you know, th there's one there's one idea there where ideas have consequences. Um, in this case, human life. Um, but also, like, if you, you know, not, I, I set myself up for failure here because I just talked about human life and now I'm going to talk about money. Uh, like, I, I, like I'm rank ordering you. Human life is more important than money. I, I don't have my, my priorities off. But, you know, say you, you value your hard-earned dollar. Um, you don't want to vote for the party that's aiming to take it away. Um, and, and so, again, your ideas, well, not necessarily your ideas, but the ideas of politicians have consequences. Um, and so you have to look into to what they support. Unfortunately, like you were noting, a lot of politicians will say whatever they think will get them elected the most. Uh, I even think that Trump was, uh, uh, you could accuse him of this, but he's maintained a lot of his campaign promises, which is incredible. You almost never see a, a president fulfill a lot of their campaign promises um, in their first term. And so I, I've been impressed by that. Um, so, again, look at the... Look at what ideas the politician you might be voting for has, whether it's for the presidency or for your local uh, local office or whatever it is. Um, look at their ideas and know that those aren't just words on a paper. Know that those ideas have consequences. And, and consider if those consequences will align with your values. Um, and if they do, then that's a good candidate to vote for. Uh, as my mom says, though, often you're voting between uh, the lesser of, or voting for the lesser of two evils, and that happens most of the time in politics. Because Chandler, Chandler, I'd almost have to refute that. You're always going to vote for the lesser of the two evils. Jesus Christ isn't on the ticket. True, true. Very good point. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so you will be voting for the lesser of two evils. I agree. Um, and and so you you have to look. You know, maybe you really disagree with immigration reform, but is that uh, uh, enough of an issue to make you not worry about uh, being pro-life, um, you know, as, as an example? So, yeah, yep. remember that these ideas have consequences. That's why I have to say. What are your thoughts on this? I'd like to hear I, 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 think, I think I'd have to agree with you on that because as we see – we're both conservative. We're looking at it from a conservative point of view. And people don't realize conservative, what it means. We're conserving. We want to protect the ideals that this country was founded on. Individual, 
the individual, we have to focus on the individual. Because with the, that's what John Locke, the principle of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we're looking at this as, hey, it's on you. You can do what you feel like you want to do with your life. You can go and pursue what you want to pursue. And you have the opportunity to do it. We are not like a lot of countries. We, we are different. We have the ability. There's other countries that are free. But what do they pay in taxes? What do, they are restrained like in many ways. And we're seeing that shift in American politics. And that's what the thing is conservatives is. And I think we have to get past this party, this, this division that we can't work together. And it's on both sides, the leadership on both sides. And that's why we've seen a lot of people leave both parties. But the thing is, if you disagree with the Republicans on one thing, but the Democrats have nine out of ten policies that you're like, man, that's terrible. But, man, uh, I can get this free check or whatever. Sweet. All right. Cool. Um, even though it's just it's going to help you temporarily, but not in the long term. I think the thing is, I think we, we take for granted is we are privileged as Americans. We are you have the opportunity there there it's endless you can go and i'm going to start a business tomorrow now in some states it's harder than others california it's a lot harder than it is in in and then in a red state maybe like a florida it's going to be a lot harder here in california or in texas or arizona you're going to see it's going to be a lot easier to start a business there but you have the opportunity to do so you have the opportunity to like i said i'm going to keep repeating it life liberty and pursuit of happiness is what we as conservatives focus on and I, we want to see people succeed. Everybody, go and be that trailblazer in your family that goes, man, my family's been voting Democrat literally my whole life. I want to be the trailblazer. I want change for this, for my family. I want to see change for my friends. I want to see change for my community. And I want to see change for this country. Because you have the power, your vote, consistently in California here, your vote doesn't matter in this country. No, it does. And voter apathy and this just not having any interest in politics is what eventually has created this massive debt, this policy that's destroying our cities, destroying people's livelihoods, and we continue to see it every election. Smaller and smaller percentage continue to, to vote. And we saw with Donald Trump, people came out and they said, hey, we're tired of the status quo. We're tired of the politicians. We're tired of people just saying, I'm for the people. We're going to do it. We're going to make things happen. And then nothing happens, and we have another four years, another eight years, as we continue to go off this cliff. And Donald Trump was that person that goes, okay, we're over. All right. Folks, we're, we're starting over. We're doing things. We're going to give the power back to the American people. Love them or hate them, the, the economy was great under Trump, which, again, affects everything in your life. He's fought for religious liberty. The left continues to try to take it away. He's for Israel. He protects Israel. The most pro-Israel president since Truman, or maybe all time. And, and we see with the peace deal, the UAE. These are big things that President Trump has been accomplishing, but you won't hear a single thing. And people go, Trump's just, uh, he's over here, uh, he's profiting off the presidency. No, he's not. He's not taking it. He donates his, his money each month or each month and for the each salary year as president, the $200,000, $250,000 to veterans, to different causes for the American people. He doesn't make any money. He loses money. And this is kind of my thing for Donald Trump. Again, we are in a fight for capitalism or socialism. And this is going to be the thing, freedom or tyranny. You have the choice. You have the thing. Ronald Reagan said it best. We are only one generation away from freedom being extinct. That We're going to be talking to our kids and grandkids about the freedom that we used to have. I don't want to see that for our country. And so what I want to close with is you need to go out and fight. You need to go out and vote. You need to register people to vote because your vote matters. I'm tired of hearing every two years, oh, yeah, vote doesn't matter in California. No, vote doesn't matter. A lot of people don't realize it's like, hey, if everybody went and started voting their values and everybody got up and voted – We'd see a lot more changes in this country. Absolutely. 100%. We just cannot continue to keep going down this rabbit hole and go, oh, yeah, I was just going to. The best we can do is Nancy Pelosi. Really? Really? Maxine Waters? Joe Biden? Joe Biden. Really? Let's see. Let's see some more classically liberal. Like, if, we were, if you're going to argue liberal and conservative, let's actually have a liberal. Let's not go to the depths of free Medicare for all and socialism and communism. We've seen what that did in the 20th century. Yep. 
we are in a fight for our country. I just keep, I can't emphasize this enough. It's huge. And Chandler, I'm going to let you close. I know I've been kind of going, but it's, it's such an important fight that we're up against right now. You know, I couldn't agree more. Uh, that was great, uh, great words there. Really well said. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I agree. Go out and vote um, and, and vote your values. And like I always say on the show, look, we're conservatives. And, and we hope you vote uh, uh, Republican. But if you don't, like, think for yourself at least. That's what I have to say. Like, we might disagree uh, on, on politics, you know, especially if you're listening to this and you're, you're listening to this to be critical of us. Fine by me. Um, but go vote uh, what you value. Um, and, and again, maybe that's not the same things that Matt and I value, and, and I'm sorry about that. But yeah, you know, go vote for what you believe and, uh, and evaluate uh, your beliefs as well. It's not worth holding an unexamined belief. So really question and dive into, well, I say I believe this. Do I actually believe this? And like look into uh, viewpoints on all different sides and, and then go vote for who is closest to your value system that lesser of two evils, and, um, and yeah, make your voice heard. I think that's an important thing. Educate yourself, then make your voice heard. Um, and, and I think uh, if we all do that, I expect another four years of Trump, and I, I also expect a, a bit of a return to normalcy and a return to a safe country and a return uh, towards a strong economy and, and all those good things uh, that make America great. I think we'll be back there if everybody really examines their values and votes accordingly. Amen. So guys, continue to go and fight. We need it now more than ever. This next few months is going to be be tough. Ballots go out in less than 60 days. Mail-in voting in California. It's real, folks. It's real. And we are going to have ballot harvesting here. And we're going to see how that goes. We saw how it affected in 2018. Democrats winning up and down the state. And we see people swinging seats that we've never seen before. And we're like, whoa, what happened? TJ Cox won. And now he's going through all this tax trouble. That's a whole nother day, another topic. But like I said, make sure you go out and register people that need to vote. There's a lot of people that don't vote. People that are just no interest in it. Orange man bad or Joe Biden. It's like, oh, I don't want to either. I don't want to either. So I'm not going to vote. It's like, no, please vote. These are important elections. I've said it over and over. Or no, I haven't said it over and over. But everybody, every election, this is the biggest election ever this is the biggest election because in a sense it is it's our country it's it's an experiment the american experiment and we can keep it going as long as we want or we can just sit back let our country go to the radicals let our country fall and we lose all of those individual liberties that we cherish so chandler uh i'll let you close out man hey thank you so much for listening go ahead and give us a five-star review or five-star rating on itunes leave us a review um, we really appreciate that. It helps more people hear our message. Um, and until next time, this is the Matt and Chan Show.